We're on this journey, aren't we, of learning to rest. And last week we went back to the study in Mark 4 of Jesus in the boat. We talked about waking Jesus up or resting with him. And we're going to keep talking this morning about rest, about laying our head on the pillow and all that sort of stuff. But before we just get into it, let's just take a moment, shall we? Let's just take a moment. Just take a moment to remind your body, your soul, and your spirit where you are. Take a moment to remind yourself why you're here. Father's greatest desire is to connect with you. Everything about his heart is that he might connect deeply with you. And there's whole depths to that that are beyond your imagination right now, but that are possible. And it's my heart that you learn to fathom new depths of connection with Jesus. And I am believing that this morning is another step on that journey of connecting in whole new ways with the heart of the Father, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit. Father, we just want to take a moment to say thank you that that's even possible, Lord. We want to take a moment to say thank you, Jesus, and rest in the truth of it, in Jesus' name. And we just speak peace, Father, right now. We speak peace, Lord, to our minds. We speak peace to our bodies. We speak peace to our souls. And we thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that is already resident in our spirits. In Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the things I said last week, well, actually repeated last week, because I've been saying it for months, uh, is, is this, the number one priority for every follower of Jesus right now is to learn to rest in him. And that is still my conviction, my deep conviction, that if you want to thrive and not just survive, it's absolutely vital. We put time and effort into learning to rest, learning to be with him. Learning to sit and be quiet and be still, to receive from him, to enjoy being with him. Which, of course, is also incredibly challenging because it feels quite strange. But we must come to see that the most powerful weapon you have right now in the battle for the kingdom is the weapon of rest. It is the most powerful weapon that we have. And I guess sometimes you've just got to actually go, okay, and receive it. You may not get your head around it. It may not make much sense to you. You may not like it. It may not feel somewhere that you're comfortable with. But that is the reality of the time. And this morning we're going to talk about this weapon of rest some more. And 
Uh, Karen's actually going to help me share about it because she has a wonderful revelation of this stuff and her use of language is different to mine, which is fabulous. I'm really aware we often need to hear the same thing in lots of different ways. And Karen's journey up to this point is one of using rest as a weapon. Um, so she's going to share a little bit as we go through this morning. We're going to share some of the why, some of the what, but also some of the how. And of course, we've been setting time aside to help you rest on a regular basis, but we're going to do that more and more. This morning, we're going to teach and share about it, as well as try and practically show you some ways to actually enter. Scripture tells us to be diligent in entering his rest, which we'll look at later, but there is a need to learn and be diligent in it. And again, this is not something new. This is where we've been heading, as I'll show you later on, for about three years. But really, this morning is the first of a regular time together in our building that we're going to spend time learning and practicing entering his rest. And every three weeks on a Sunday evening, we're going to take time together to do what we're doing this morning. We just thought we'd do it on a Sunday morning first. And we're doing it every three weeks, one, just to mess with your mind. And two, because it's not an event. We're not trying to create an event so you'll get your latest addiction, your latest fix of rest. Because if you do it every week, eventually people get tired of it, but also they just go and turn up for the latest fix. But actually, I'm learning to live in this place all the time. Not turn up to an event to get me fix. I'm learning to live in this place. So there are going to be times of training and doing and having some tools to help us. We want to create a safe space to learn and practice so it can become part of everyday life. We're also going to build some elements of it into our life groups month and month as well because it's got to just become a normal part of life. As it's become a very normal part of my life. And I have seen incredible results as I've learned to live more and more in this way. And I've still got much to learn. So we're going to build it into it. Okay, Karen, come and share a little bit on, on the why. Why, from your perspective, is it so important that we enter into this? Do you want to use that one? Morning, everybody. Um, <clears throat> I think it's really exciting to join your journey because that's been your journey for, well, actually, the journey in this house, as far as I'm aware. And it's um, something I haven't seen in any other place. So that's really special to be part of this here. And your journey is actually the journey. God's journey with humankind. So when we have a look briefly at um, his story, history, then God has been revealing himself constantly, drawing us closer into relationship with him. 
Because once we believe that lie of that we are separated, since then he's been trying to convince us that we are not. And it's just really difficult for us to learn because, you know, it's a lie and it's up here. So in the Old Testament, people learned to know God as Lord, as their Lord, as God. It wasn't actually God's choice to reveal himself, himself that way. He always was a father. He always is a father. But, you know, when he wanted to talk to the people and said to Moses, um, gather them at that mountain and I want to talk to them, they said to Moses, oh, no, 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 you, you go. You go and talk to God and then tell us what he told you. So it's a bit in our, because of that fear of, you know, we are separated, because we believe that lie, we, we are afraid, so we keep him at arm's length. And that's what we've been doing these days as well, you know, with prophets. So we want to prophets to get a word instead of actually sitting with God and asking him. <coughs> so they have uh, learned, it's like humankind has learned about God, that he's Lord, how he relates to us. And then in the the New Testament, when Jesus came, he introduced God as a father, which was a massive scandal then. So a new era, a new level of closeness in relationship, because it's not about religion, it's about restoring that oneness and connection. So it's one level to the next level, closer and closer and closer until we all get it. <laughs> So Jesus talked about um, God being our father. He, he revealed him as our father, um, that he wants us to be his friends, that we can be sons. So that there are different levels of intimacy. And it's interesting. It's not uh, Old versus New Testament. God has been the same all the time. So in Hosea 2.16, it says, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master or Lord. When we look through, um, look at history and that, you know, it's from the beginning to Abraham, it's 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, another 2,000 years. Until now, another 2,000 years. So since the year 2000, around that time, we have entered the 7,000th year. And in God's calendar, a um, thousand years is like one day. So we have entered the seventh day. So no wonder it's about rest okay so we are completely in god's time calendar <laughs> it's about rest <coughs> so but he's changing language now so he begins to talk about 
him being our husband. And Jesus is preparing his bride. It's about becoming the bride, about oneness face to face, the original intent. It's um, that whole language about um, the wedding, you know, human history will wrap up in a wedding. Yay. <laughs> it's like, are you looking forward to that? Is, that? is that something that scares us? Or is it like, oh, wow, I actually don't get what that means, but wedding sounds really good. Um, the language of uh, yeah, marriage, bridegroom, bride. It's all about oneness. And it's really important for you men, blokes, to understand it's not about gender at all. <laughs> Just in the same way as it's not about gender when God calls us, also us women, ladies, his sons. Because our sonship has nothing to do with our gender. It's because Jesus is the blueprint. He is the son. So sonship is about uh, an expression of, rela of relationship and um, of um, a position we have. And God is spirit, and we are spirit. So we relate to him spirit to spirit. So we are sons, all of us. We are the bride, all of us. And even men can get pregnant in the spirit. So, you know, just let's us, let us get over the whole gender thing because we are talking spirit to spirit, that level. <laughs> it's interesting that um, we often use that term presence, <coughs> you know, that we love his presence and we love being in his presence, but actually... In the Hebrew language, there is no word or term such as presence. So what's translated as presence in English, in Hebrew, is it means faces. Faces, plural. So being in his presence actually means face-to-face -face with God. And he, he really, really means it. He's so passionate about us receiving that the truth he's always known about us. So <coughs> there's a new level of intimacy. It's nothing that we get into. It's nothing that we go to. It's just something we become aware of that it's been there and been true all along. We just haven't seen it. So the cross has put us in a place because it is finished. It has put us in a place where we receive. We are in a place of receiving. And we are believing believers <laughs> receiving. And that's what rest is about. It is finished. No striving. Law is about doing. Grace it's about being and resting, receiving, and out of that, doing whatever he calls us to do. 
there's something really beautiful I'd like to share with you and um, I'd like you to receive it in your spirit and not your mind because it's way too wonderful and big for your mind. <coughs> There's something we probably missing because we haven't been told that has happened at the cross. When Jesus said it is finished at the cross, <coughs> he very likely didn't speak Greek. A dying man doesn't speak a foreign language. So he very likely spoke the word kala in his own mother tongue, is in his first language. And kala means it is finished, it is done. But it has another meaning. <laughs> and when you would ask uh, in, in Israel, a Jew, what does kala mean? They would go, oh, that's easy, right. Right. So when Jesus hung at the cross and said, Kala, it is finished. Bride. He was giving birth to his bride. Remember, just listen, just listen here. Remember the first Adam, his wife Eve coming out of his side. Jesus, the second Adam, giving birth, you know, that wound in his side, blood and water was flowing. And he cried out, Kala, bride, it is finished. <laughs> he was giving birth to his bride, to his lookalike partner. That's such a level of intimacy, and he's so longing for his pride, and that would be that that we would believe that he he really finished it, that we would begin to receive in that way, and see what what he's done, what he's really done, and just go okay. I stopped trying. I stopped striving. I stopped earning something. I stopped even understanding. I just give up my right to understand. Holy Spirit, I ask that uh, you teach us and teach our spirits and enlighten the eyes of our spirits right now. Thank you, Jesus. We don't need more information. We need revelation that would transform us from inside out. And thank you for you doing it. Just let you do it. He is birthing 
his bride now. I mean, he's doing, he's been doing that. He's done that 2,000 years ago. But it is manifesting now. And that's part of the pressure we can feel. Not just the world around us going crazy, but actually there's something new being birthed. A new understanding. It's to do with our identity, realizing who we are. It's not that we are becoming it. We just realize what we've been all along and we were so blind. So that's why it takes humility right now. It's a big key to just going low. Just going low. Okay, Jesus, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. Okay, just teach me. I go low. Just teach me. I'm childlike. And I receive. I just receive. So there's a lot of pressure inside of us, around us. It's an exciting time. A bit scary because we don't understand. But we can relax because he's got this. And I think now it's your part. See, there's no doubt in my mind <coughs> that Jesus is calling us to new levels of intimacy and connection. He's always been calling us into that. Always. That's his heart. But as Karen said, there's these moments actually in history. And you can actually break it down even to shorter periods that actually every 500 years God seems to do something new. You can go back to Moses and follow it all the way through. But each time God does something new, you find that there's a bit of a fight to get into it. So just think back to approximately 500 years ago in Luther and the Reformation, which was when a, a huge change and shift came into the church and the idea of grace came into the church. And of course now we go, well, of course. Of course it's grace, not works. But 500 years ago, people were being killed for saying that sort of thing. Because many people struggled to make the shift. And you can see that all throughout history, because as, as human beings, we are by our very nature resistant to change and moving out of our comfort zone and what we know, particularly if we feel what we know has worked. If we feel what we know has worked, then why would we change it? Why would we change it for something we don't know and we're not sure of that we don't know will work? And this is the battle and the fight that we find ourselves in. And one of our biggest challenges is to receive that which God is doing without being offended by it. But if you just actually think of the direction of travel, it just makes sense. Think of the direction of travel from Genesis 
Because remember, Hebrew thinking is circular. It's not linear, it's circular. So think of the story of the Bible in Genesis. It starts in perfect communion. God walking and talking in the garden in perfect communion. And then, of course, that gets broken. And the story of the Bible is getting back to that. That's where you get to at the end. You get to a garden city where God will walk with his people once again in perfect communion. That is the story of the world and where it's going. So, of course, where it's going to go next is deeper communion, deeper relationship, deeper connection, deeper knowing, less striving, more resting. It just makes sense. And yet everything within us often goes, oh. And that's okay. But it also has to be overcome. Because one of the biggest challenges to receive that which God is doing, and it's always been this way, is to, is to not get offended by it. Is to not get upset by it. Just read the gospel stories and you'll see many people in Jesus' day were offended by him. Paul talks about the offense of the gospel. And we've always gone, oh yeah, that means this. No, no, no. If Jesus is not offending you constantly, you're not listening. If he's not constantly offending you, you're not really listening. Because he always wants to take you somewhere. He always wants to push your boat. He always wants to push the boundaries further. If he's not breaking out of the box you've put in him, you're not listening. Because he always wants to break you out of the box. So don't be surprised if it feels like he's trying to break out of the box. Okay, woohoo, wonderful, we're listening. That's a fantastic thing. What's not fantastic is when we go, you can just stay in that little box, thank you very much. Okay, right there, right then. You just missed it. You just missed it. And of course, it's interesting because... Because Paul talks in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 about love, and he says love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. But of course, we get offended, upset, all sorts of things, and we often get offended and upset when God wants to break out of his box. But if you think about when we get offended by anything, whether that be somebody driving down the road or somebody saying something or God doing something, then offense is really interesting because it... it when you get offended at something, it involves anger, bitterness, judgment, unforgiveness, pride. That's all wrapped up when you get offended. And guess what? God can't do very much when you're wrapped up in anger, bitterness, judgment, unforgiveness, and pride. That's why the taking of offense. An offense is taken, not given, despite most of our culture trying not to give it. They are doomed to fail. It was probably three years ago now we started talking about this scripture. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert, rivers in the badlands. And of course, when we started sharing it, we didn't quite know exactly what it looked like. Well, Paul probably did. I didn't. I just knew that something was going on. But this was almost three years ago we started talking about this. So we're not talking about anything new today. I recognize that some of us are embracing it. Some of us are kind of almost in it. Others are kind of battling still with it. 
But I'm asking you at the very least to remain open to the possibility that this might actually be God. And that it might actually be something wonderful. Don't let offense come in. Don't allow anger, bitterness, judgment, unforgiveness and pride. And pride is probably the most challenging one for many of us. Because it means we have to admit that we don't know. And that we might not have seen fully. We might not be clear. And there might be more than what we've realized. That demands a humility. And when you've built a whole life on some truths, and now God's opening up some more truths, that's not always easy. But it's possible. You've just got to keep humble. And so we're just talking about another step on the journey. It was Jan 2021. I was looking through when I taught a message entitled Entering Rest. Off the back of Paul's New Year's word in January, in January 21 about uh, Mark 4 and Jesus laying his head on the pillow. So we're at least two and a bit years in to talking about this stuff. And one of the things we've perhaps not done brilliantly well so far is define it and explain how to enter it. And that's because it takes a long time sometimes for truth to drop. It takes a long time for us to go, okay, yeah, I can see that. I'm starting to see that. But also because, in truth, it's not something you can easily... It's not like one, two, three. Just do this and you'll be there. So you've got to hopefully drop and allow the principles to catch fire in people's hearts. So they're ready to actually enter. But I think today we're going we're gonna to more and more start talking about the how. So we've made space for you to just experience some of it somehow. I think we're going to start talking more about the how because I think, I think we're in a place to do it now, which is beautiful. But, but Karen, come and share a little bit more on some of that stuff. Dealing with offense is so important because um, all that stuff Adam just shared, like um, pride or unforgiveness, it all creates a noise in our soul. And that noise blocks that doorway into our spirit. And in our spirit, that's where... God dwells. So if we allow those things in our soul realm, it's really difficult to hear him. It's really difficult to feel him. And just to spend 
be, be together with him and actually have that um, experience, that oneness. It's not that we are not one in that moment, but we can't experience it because of all that noise in our soul. So that's why it's really, it's really important going like, no, I'm not having that. Just don't have that in my life. I think an un, living an unoffendable life, that's a really great <laughs> aim. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, how peaceful that must be. Like, you're just not offended at anything. So, wow, sounds good. Um, we all know that scripture in Romans 8, 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the really re revealing of the sons of God. It's really interesting that it says for the creation. It doesn't say the animals or the plants are waiting. It doesn't even say this planet is waiting. It says the creation, the whole of creation, the whole of universe is waiting. So, you know, this thing is so much bigger than we managed to get up here. So we just don't try. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. Or the Passion Translation puts it, Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. First Corinthians 2.14 The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So I think there, I just mentioned all these scriptures, so we, are, we can agree on, okay, our mind doesn't get it, so let's move on. It's what scripture says, it's always been like that. So let's stop trying to get it here. Okay, it's okay because we don't have to, and this has never been made to do that. So, so how do we understand spiritual things? Well, it's our spirit. God is spirit. We are spirit in this tent. So that's how we manifest in this dimension. We can't see our spirit with our natural eyes, because our spirit is in that other dimension where God is. So that's why our spirit is constantly in communion with God. Our spirit knows oneness. It's not foreign, strange, or weird. That's, it's home to our spirit. Totally normal. It's just our soul that has been and got so used to this realm here, and then thinking, well, I'm having the lead here in this house and this temple. Well, that's wrong. 
I am spirit, so my spirit must lead my soul. That's how my soul, by the way, finds rest and peace. Because it's really hard job to try to do something you're not called to. <laughs> and then our, spirit, our, our body receives peace and wholeness. So it's that from inside out. So that rest, you know, we're in that time, like the seventh day, we're in that time of rest. And rest is, that place of rest means actually understanding it is finished. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father as our high priest. Unlike every other high priest before him, because there wasn't any furniture in the temple to sit down and rest because it hasn't been finished. So when Jesus died at the cross and said, it is finished, he sat down and rested. And that's exactly our place where we are because we are in him, seated in heavenly places in Christ. So we sit there and rest. Our spirit is there, not because we chose to. He's just taken us there. And our soul now is learning to, oh, that's reality. That's who I am. <laughs> like, oh, I'm getting it slowly. Oh, yeah, that feels really good. <laughs> and then it becomes our natural default. Like, okay, I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling, I don't know what. Oh, I just sit down again at the inside. But our soul and our mind, you know, they need a bit time to learn it. To renew the way of thinking. And the more we do that, the easier it gets because our soul gets used to it. It's so important to God that it's interesting that in Hebrews 4.11, I think it's the only thing we are to strive for. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. It's so important. So, like, let's focus on that because it's really important. That place of rest, when we sit, when we realize we sit in him, and it is finished. He sits on a throne. He actually is the throne. He is government. That place of rest is government. So when we are at that rest, quiet inside, at peace, and all is well, and we know all is well, even if the world goes crazy, all is well. In that place, we are able to see what's in his heart. And then we simply agree with him and things happen. So we begin to flow with him.
Isaiah 40, 31. Probably everybody knows that scripture. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So it's they who wait for the Lord. And that word wait is um, the Hebrew word kavah. And it doesn't mean to sit there and filling your thumbs and go like, okay, what's going to happen next? I'm just doing nothing and wait something for something to happen. <laughs> that word that's translated wait, which maybe is not a great translation, it means entangle. So those who entangle with the Lord, that means his spirit, I'm spirit, I'm in him, he's in me, we entangle. Literally, spirit to spirit, that's what we're born for. That's what Jesus died for. We become one, we entangle. That's a very active thing. <laughs> so it's, you know, waiting on the Lord is not a boring thing. It's really exciting because you actually entangle with your father, your creator. You get access to his thought, his heart, his emotions. I mean, that's like you're entangling to the source of life. So it's a, it's a very active thing, and meditation actually simply means um, being focused, single focus. That's what meditation is about. So there's nothing weird or, you know, like New Age stuff. Or <laughs> I mean, literally New Age, actually Jesus has begun a New Age because there was a new beginning. So we need to get over certain words as well. Um, and maybe to encourage you and those of us who really like to stand their ground and fight and, you know, have a warrior heart. You might remember David's 30 mighty men in Second Samuel 23. You can read about them. I mean, those 30 men were crazy. They were proper warriors. And there were three of them that stood out. And the chief of those three, he killed 800 enemies at one incident with only a spear. I have no idea how long it took him, but just imagine. I mean, what a crazy, wild guy. It's really interesting. His name, Joseph Parshibet. The name of this mighty warrior means dwelling in rest. When it comes to the pride, then of course we don't can't get around Song of Songs. Because Song of Songs really is the book about the journey of the church and us individually. And it it says there in 
Song of Songs 1. She says, Let him smother me with kisses, his spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Let him smother me with kisses. I'd like to read out the footnotes and those who don't have the Passion Translation and hear this for the first time, you might be surprised. It's just, it's just beautiful. There is a word play in the Hebrew similar to a pun. The word for kisses and the word for drink a wine, have a, take a drink wine is nearly the same. The implication, as seen by ancient expositors, is that God's lovers will be drunk with love, the intoxicating kisses of his mouth. As we know, New Testament says uh, not to be, get drunk with wine, but with his spirit. So it doesn't say don't get drunk. It actually says, do get drunk, but with the right substance. So Holy Spirit is that new wine, so maybe we need to drink a bit more. Which is what we get to when we rest. The Hebrew word for kiss is nashak, which can also mean to equip or to arm. So, there it is again, you know, that warrior thing and rest, receiving his love, that kiss that equips us for battle. So we really need to get equipped for battle. We get that when we let him kiss us. So again, we end up in that place where we are invited to receive let him, let him, just let him. It means to let go fear, let all the guards, guard go, self-protection, all that stuff that we, because we are afraid of that closeness, aren't we? That's where the battle is because of, of our earth journey and the things we've experienced. So we try to protect ourselves because we've been disappointed, we've been hurt. And traumas and all that stuff so that's why he's wooing his bride that's why he's using that language like let me let me so when we meet for you know on those evenings we are going to explore different ways of how we can do that, because we all are different, so, so we, we find our own love language with him, our own access points, and we will explore how we can become more aware of God's indwelling presence, of what's already there, how to turn inward into a spirit, to learn actually realize, oh, there's 
something inside, a spirit man, my spirit man. Oh, I really want to know that. <laughs> and then to live more and more out of that place until it becomes our default. And in that place of encounter, intimacy and rest, that's where he transforms us. That's where he reminds our mind, our thinking. Because with every encounter, you change. It's impossible not to. So he just changed the way how you think. You come out of it and you've changed. So it's not, again, it's not striving. It's actually putting yourself into that place of receiving and letting him. Because he's really good. Okay, so <coughs> if you wanted a, a definition of laying his head on the pillow or resting, or this is really what we're talking about. We're talking about taking the time. So that's the first thing. You've got to take some time. And the point of the time is to become increasingly aware of an already existing truth. His indwelling presence. So we're talking about taking some time to become increasingly aware of his all of his indwelling presence. We're not talking about waiting for him to turn up or waiting for him to appear because he is already in you and with you. You are not separate from him. The greatest lie we've believed is that we were separated from him and are separate from him, but we're not. We're with him. He's with you. It's about becoming aware of the reality of his present and continuous presence. So we can, <clears throat> you know, back in when there was a temple, it was a bit like this. And this is a simplified version. So in Jesus' day, there was a temple. And there was the, the outer court where certain people could go. And then there was an inner court where certain people could go. And then there was the Holy of Holies where one man once a year could go. And within that the holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God dwelt. And so in order to access God, in order to become face to face, to be in his presence, you had to go through the outer court, go through the inner court, enter the Holy of Holies, and then you'd be able to meet with God. Well, of course, according to Paul, you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now the temple. And you also have outer courts. All right, and again, this is a simplified illustration, but it's just helpful in where we're going because you have a body and you have a soul and you have a spirit, which is where God lives. And in order to come face to face with God, you have to go through the sections of your temple. That's what you've actually kind of got to do. But the key point is you are not trying to connect with a God who is separate from you. You are not trying to do something to get his attention. You are not trying to put yourself in a place where he will arrive. You are not doing any of that because he is already present. He has already arrived. He is already there. The issue is you taking time to become aware of it. And of course, the challenge 
is that often your body tells you that he's not there. Because it has aches and it has pains. And it has scars and it has memories. And your soul tells you that he's not there. Because of the lies we've believed and the traumas we've gone through. So everything in your emotions and your soul tells you that he's not there. But he is there. And so when we're talking about resting, we're talking about learning to still yourself enough to recognize the truth. And that's why we find it so difficult because a lot of the time we spend most of our time not being still enough because we're so terrified of what's in there. It's why I said the other week, it's why I think a lot of people like worship music because then they don't have to listen to the sound of their own soul. Because it masks the reality. But in truth, he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's so much more beautiful and wonderful. But you don't have to come to a place where you've dealt with all those things in your body and soul to be able to become increasingly aware of him. Because actually, we, we, we I think, have often thought, okay, well, once I deal with this, and once I deal with that, and once I've nailed that lie, and once I've dealt with this, and once my body stops aching, then I become, become, become aware of him. But actually, how about it's actually like flipped on its head somehow in, the, in becoming aware of him, maybe that's how your body and your soul gets healed. Because it's meant to be an inside-out thing. Maybe if you're willing to spend the time being willing to become aware of him, that those things in your soul that you feel are stopping your feeling him might actually start to melt a little bit. Maybe those aches and pains in your body, that DNA that's slightly not, that's, that's misaligned might start to become aligned. Taking the time to become increasingly aware of his indwelling presence. And listen, it is his greatest desire. It is his greatest desire. And this is, this is where our minds get in the way because we think because of all those things in our body and soul, it's not possible. But he goes, no, no, there is nothing. There is nothing in your mind. There is nothing in your soul. There is nothing in your past and there is nothing in your thinking that can stop me connecting with you. If you were going to let me. And that's all you've got to do. Is to just let him. Just let him. So we're going we're gonna to spend some time, and I don't quite know how it's going to pan out, but we're going to spend some time just allowing him to connect with us, okay? Wouldn't you like to connect with Jesus in a deeper way this morning? Okay, well, you can. But you'll have to just humble yourself a little bit, follow some simple instruction. That's all you've got to do. Just humble yourself a little bit. Follow some simple instruction.
challenge you want to come? Revelation 3.20 Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Since Jesus is already inside of us, the door he's knocking at is not outside to get into our lives. He's knocking at that door in our spirit and asking us to letting him out, to let him out into our soul where we experience him and can have communion with him. And his desire to eat with us, this verse brings us right back into Psalm 23 where he prepares a table for us. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks me, his tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook, brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. The Greek word for love is agape, which is a merging of two words and two concepts. Ago means to lead like a shepherd, and pao is a verb that means to rest. Love is our shepherd leading us to the place of true rest in his heart. I want you to make yourself comfortable and relax and your body just relax I think you're already doing that thank you Holy Spirit for helping us thank you Jesus for your peace Just breathe and focus on your breathing. Just 
breathe him in. His spirit, breath of God, just breathe him in. as well and all shall be well imagination is one of the doorways into your spirit so you can use that and look at him Jesus, you make us lay down. that scripture of Psalm 23 and go to the place where that river flows it's an actual real place in the spirit realm just go there and sit Choose to receive. Thank you, Jesus. Now receive.
Keep drinking. Just keep receiving. You want to love him back and express how much you love him. You don't need words for that. You're in a deeper place now. So your spirit man can just hug him. Lean against his chest. Expressing your love without words. And then receive again. And keep drinking. souls. You're so beautiful. 
This is our home family. That's where we're at home. And our spirit is in that place all the time. We just tune back into it during the day. place now with him spirit to spirit it's not about singing songs now maybe you just want to listen just keep bathing just keep bathing and receiving keep drinking it's that new wine he wants you to have
want to say thank you, Jesus. That we can take you by the hand and be led to still wars. That we can take you by the hand and you can lead us to beautiful places in our spirits. Thank you so much, Jesus. Father, we say we are a people that want to learn to live in and from that place more and more. We do not want to have an experience of you. We want to learn to live from that place in our hearts more and more and more, Father, that we truly are a people who live from rest. somebody learning to rest in the way we're talking about is a bit like walking into a room with a lot of familiar people and in this room Jesus is one of the people but there's lots of other people in there that's all the things that are going on in your heart and your soul and learning to rest is realizing and working out whose hand you're going to take and allow you to lead you out The thing is, as you practice it more, it becomes easier and easier. And as you practice it more, as he leads you out, the next time you go back in, there's less people clamoring for your attention. And sometimes you might pick the wrong hand You've just got to go, okay, now I'm, I'm going to let go of that hand because that's, that's not the hand of Jesus. I'm going to go back in that room and I'm going to hold his hand and I'm going to let him lead me. And of course, you don't have to wait till we're together. We are going to be together and we're going to spend time practicing together but please don't wait because then you'd miss out then you'd miss out 